This is episode one, The Magic of Centre Court. Time. Hi, this is Laura Robson, and now I'm officially retired, so I need to keep myself busy. Chance for Robson in midcourt. Big forehand winner. What a talent she is. So here we are with a new podcast ahead of Wimbledon 2022. Alfie Hewitt adds yet another Grand Slam title. It's 100 years of Centre Court this summer, a place we all know pretty well. Memories of Centre Court Wimbledon. Great hands at the net. What a point from the teenager Jack Draper. You'll get a new episode every Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe and feel the connection this summer with Vodafone, official partner of Wimbledon. Good for the podcast. (laughs) Hello. Hello, Alfie. Hello, Jack. Hi, Laura. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you doing? All good, all good. Been a busy training week for both of you? Yeah, very busy. Um, Just been preparing for the grass. You know, it's always a good season for the players, especially the British ones. You've got Surbiton coming up. Yeah. I don't know. That was another thing I wanted to ask as well, because you're playing Surbiton, which is a challenger, but also Andy Murray is playing Surbiton, which is the Mm. challenger. Is that a bit weird going into it? Yeah. I mean, I I think it is a bit weird. Yeah, because obviously been watching Andy for so many years. I think I'm a it's a bit more normal now because I've played at the same tournaments as him a few times, like Queens and stuff. But for him to play a challenger, I know he's played a couple the last couple of years. But for him to play one in the UK, I think there'll be there'll be a lot of people who will be there. So it'll be he'll make it a good atmosphere there as well. And Alfie, you've just come back from Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. Hence the fresh tan. That was pretty pretty nice weather out there. Getting some good clay court action for for Paris. You know, I'm looking forward to, to hopefully going there and defending not only the singles, but the doubles as well with, with Gordon. Some decent prep going into Roland Garros. And if that is the last we see of Laura Robson, we'll remember a game which, on its day, was a match for the best players in the world. Obviously, you've announced being sort of retired the last <laughs> week or so. How's, how's life been sort of outside of the tennis bubble? It's weird, you know, um, I didn't think, and you sent me a nice message, so thanks for that, but it's weird because I didn't think it was going to feel that different, officially announcing it, because I wasn't really playing beforehand anyway, but it is nice to be official about it, because I feel like now I can talk openly about, you know, what I went through the last couple of years with my injury and stuff without feeling that I'm still a bit defensive about it mm, yeah exactly. so in, in a lot of ways it's nice and and I didn't know that it was going to feel this positive as well so yeah. I had a really positive reaction uh, which is great and I don't know what I was expecting probably more criticism <laughs> that, mm-hmm. than I got which yeah overall it's been it's been a fun week and I've uh, just been chilling at home doing nothing do you reflect on your career and think wow like some of the stuff I've achieved maybe that you haven't done before or not already I did. When I did the interview with Russell Fuller from BBC, um, I didn't know that I was going to get super emotional. Mm. And I did. And we, we did it at Wimbledon um, in one of the members areas. And I was sat there crying in front of all these other members who were looking at me from across the room thinking, what's going on over there? Um, and it's, it's nice to just re- be reminded almost of what you did, because some of it feels like so long ago for me that I, you know, I can barely remember how I felt in those moments and, mm. and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think we'll be touching on that in episode yeah, uh, two or three. It's quite emotional, isn't it? Obviously, with all the classification stuff that I had recently, it was it was not it was unsure whether I was going to be able to continue as well. And I think, like, you probably understand the emotional side of it, where when you're playing and you know you just think about the next event, you think about the next tournament or the next training week, 
And when that's suddenly on the line and you're not sure whether you're actually going to be able to compete anymore, you start reflecting on the whole journey ever since you like got involved um, from the very first moment. And I think that's, that's what I learned and probably didn't appreciate when I was still playing that um, what we do and the opportunities that we have are, you know, once in a lifetime and, and amazing. And then when that's, you know, taken away from you, if you're tired or whatever that may be, it's, it's an emotional time. Okay, let's get on with the pod. Let's focus on, on Wimbledon and, and less about me. <laughs> so I, I want to talk mostly about everyone's memories and, and first experiences of Wimbledon. I'm sure we all have our own experiences, seeing as everyone's at different ages as well, which I think is quite a fun thing about it. Um, what's the first thing that pops in your mind when you think of your first Wimbledon memory? I think the one that sticks in mind the most for me was probably when Andy won against Djokovic in 2013. Um, and you were there? I was there, yeah. I remember sort of being near the court, like very, very close in the stands. And I think just the, the buzz around the tournament, especially considering he'd you know taken such a tough loss in, in the previous year to Federer, um, seeing him go out and win it and after 70 years or whatever of you know, tough times for maybe British tennis, he, he showed that you can do it. And I think for any player, especially of my age, it was a really inspiring moment. I remember that being probably one of my first memories of watching Wimbledon, especially because funny enough, I didn't really watch much able-bodied tennis um, growing up because I was involved in the wheelchair side of it. I was always just looking up, aspiring to those guys. So I didn't really have a clue what was going on in those couple of years. I remember 2012, obviously the Olympics, um, obviously yourself with the mixed doubles and, and Andy winning gold there. That was, that was my first real memories of um, what centre court was like just from watching it as a spectator. We're not there yet when it comes to competing, so we've got some uh, some years to go until we're maybe uh, thinking about being on centre court, but we're, we're, we're upgrading slowly and, um, yeah, that was probably my, my first memory. And we want to get in early. So you haven't played on centre Jack and I have. Yeah, so the women's singles finals was on was on court one last year, which is obviously great for for our sport. We want as much exposure and an opportunity to to play on those bigger courts. And you know, me and Gordon have managed to play on court three for a couple of years now. So that's been uh, the highlight of my my tennis career is playing on those courts and playing on that court especially. You know, the the sort of atmosphere and the electricity that the crowd brings obviously being a, a home player is you just can't compare it to any other event and you know you you've both played on center court so i can only imagine that's probably times 10 to 20,000 you know it's it's an incredible feeling to to be involved with and you know, I hope one day that's the case. But for now, I'm very happy with the, the court threes and the court ones. We'll kick it off here. We'll let, uh, try and edge it in the right direction to get you all out there. Brilliant from Hewitt. He generates such speed across the court. I, I think for me, weirdly enough, I did this like under 10, under 11. I think I was maybe even nine as well, where on the middle Saturday, there was a group of, of juniors where we were allowed to hit on... Uh, I think it was court one and court two for half an hour before play started. And so we practiced for like three days beforehand and we had such a, a rigid, you know, you're going to hit 
cross court for three minutes, then you're going to hit down the line for another three minutes. And at the end, if everyone's well behaved, then you're going to meet Navratilova. And, you know, we're so pumped up. We had our whites on everything. And then we got there and it obviously rained all day. Um, no play whatsoever. And this is before the roof and everything. And my family just got so drunk on the <laughs> hill. They just, and all my cousins were over from Australia. So it was just getting progressively worse and worse. Um, but that's actually weirdly my, my, one of my favorite Wimbledon memories as well, because mm. it was not really about the tennis, but I think about the social a aspect of going, which everyone enjoys so much. Um, but I think that's, that's one of the things why it's so different playing there in person, being there in person, the environment around the grounds as well is so different than watching it on TV. Yeah, no, 100%. I think being around the grounds, the buzz for the tournament, the strawberries and cream, all that, you know, makes the tournament what it is. But playing on the centre court myself, I sort of saw it in a different light in a way. I'd, I'd watched it um, on TV and, and what have you, but to sort of play on the court and be in that environment where you're surrounded by so many people, especially against a great player, it's, it is very special. So centre court is 100 years old this year. Um, you both have experience playing on it. So what makes that court so special to you? Do you want to kick it off? Uh, you go, you go. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's everything about it in a way. It's, it's the walk from the locker room, down the hallway, past all the members, down the stairs where you see all the trophies. And, and usually as well, um, on the matches that I've played on centre, the people who are coming off, you'd sort of pass them on the way down. So the first time I ever played on centre, I was, I think, 15 or 16, and I was bricking it, so nervous. And on my way down, um, Federer was walking back up and he just said, good luck, Laura. And I was like, this is the pinnacle of my career already. Um, just the fact that he knew my name as well, I was so pumped about it. But I don't think you really get that feeling anywhere else. And, and you know, Jack as well, I've played on a lot of stadiums, but yet I don't get so nervous unless it's centre court. And then, you know... I, I think it's the pressure, it's the tr tradition. You see the the quote as you walk down as well. It's it's everything about it in a way. Yeah, 100%. I think going down, like you said, going down those steps, about to wait to go and play, I think it all builds up, makes it quite a tough moment to deal with as a sort of player if you're going on, especially for the first time. Um, I remember coming off against Djokovic and thinking, oh, I'd like, want to do that again straight away. It was like a big adrenaline rush, you know, as a player, putting in so much hard work throughout the years and obviously still being young, but seeing that as a real motivation to want to go and do it again, I think I've played, I've started to play on a few bigger, bigger stadium courts, um, played in Madrid and so often, but it's, it's really special court. And I think, especially being British, that makes it all the, all the better. And it's actually going to be a different walk on this year as well. I don't know if you guys have seen that, but instead of the players coming out and going to the left and around, they're just going to walk straight on and there's going to be like more of an entrance than it already is as well. So really? I feel like it's going to be even more pressure yeah, if you play the on corner, there. Yeah. Isn't it at the moment? I think Dan Bloxham usually takes, takes yeah. the guys down, takes the players down. I remember... Um, obviously those top guys they have a bit more leniency so I remember waiting a little bit for Novak and sort of I wanted Trying to, to get have in your my, head. yeah I wanted to have my headphones on <laughs> but then I was thinking oh maybe I'd, I don't want to do that because I want to make the most of, 
of this situation and, and stuff like that. It's just the atmosphere, isn't it? Like sometimes it's sometimes when I'm, when I'm playing and I'm going through the grounds and maybe, you know, collecting my, my rackets, I've just been restrung or going from A to B. Sometimes I'm, I'm sitting there and going, oh, I wish I was just a fan. Because it's incredible. Like a lot of my friends, some of them don't even have anything to do with tennis. They're just there to watch me. And I've completely turned them because the actual day itself, you know, being there, obviously for them, they maybe weren't on centre court. But I can imagine it's the it's the same sort of feeling. I feel like the difference between actually being in the stadium for a match versus TV is just how suck, sucked in you get. You know, you're so absorbed in, in every shot, every moment. And you're really living it with you know 20,000 other people and not only that you always hear the hill as well so I think when you're on centre or, or you're on court one you hear what's going on around the ground still and the the way that the whole place lights up let's say if Andy wins a huge point on centre court it goes around the entire grounds I've, I've played before on court two and I've heard the hill and I think that's something that you don't quite get so much on TV Plus, you know, I think it's fun. Like everyone dresses up, everyone's usually on the pims and and sort of getting involved in that way as well, which, um, yeah, I, a lot of people do do that at home anyway because they make it like a little viewing party almost. But when I when I watch at home, I just feel nervous, mm. basically. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's not the same the same buzz inside that gives you when you're when you're watching it on the TV as opposed to actually being there in person, like you said, hearing the the outside noises and stuff. And it's interesting. You you're on other courts and you might hear a massive noise and you don't know what's happened. And, they change you know, the scoreboard sort of sometime on on the outside courts so you know what's going on on centre. And also, if you play on courts four till sort of 12 at the back you can see the big scoreboard as well so you're always kind of like aware of what's going on on center anyway even when you're not playing out there you know it creates this certain buzz and electricity that you can hear from you know whether it's a practice court or, or another match court and um, I'd love to I'd love to really experience that someday and be immersed in in the sort of celebration of it all I think people at home as well don't realise how many sort of underground passages and stuff there are at Wimbledon, even from Orangi, where the practice courts, you kind of go down through another tunnel to get back to the changing rooms and, and the the warm-up gym area is all sort of underground. So there's lots of little passageways to court one and things like that, which I don't feel like many people really know is at Wimbledon yeah. at all. Yeah, the tradition of it. I mean, that's the other thing. Every time... I see centre court every year, it's changing all the time. You know, you look back at those videos of McEnroe going nuts and whatever year that was, the amount the centre court has changed is incredible. I'm definitely the oldest one here, sadly, but um, I think our age group as well is not that big into history and, and traditions and things like that, but that's something that is the main fun thing about Wimbledon and something that everyone gets excited about so yeah and they they've added the roof on and everything and obviously court one's got a roof and the the grounds as a whole is growing all the time as Jack said but the actual centre court still is so historic and and the entrance has always been the same and the walk-on's always been the same up until up until this year so I think it's just like you can feel that history when you walk out there as well and you see all the names, names of, of the winners yeah names of the winners you know the pitches as well and I think that's something that a lot of other tournaments don't really have that same vibe walking out there Hi guys Tim Henman here interrupting the pod to tell you about an exciting Wimbledon summer as I team up with Vodafone 
I can't wait to explore Wimbledon Uncovered in 360, powered by Vodafone and available on Wimbledon.com. It's going to transform your Wimbledon experience and make you feel like you're right there on centre court. Look out as well for Play Your Way to Wimbledon, powered by Vodafone, as we support young British tennis talent in partnership with the LTA and Wimbledon. Make sure you follow Vodafone's social channels throughout the summer. But for now, it's back to Laura, Alfie and Jack. Welcome back. I'm Laura Robson. I'm here with Alfie Hewitt and Jack Draper in association with Vodafone. So Centre Court is 100 years old this year. It's pretty old, but it's still one of the most amazing sports venues in the world. The, the match I remember time and time again is the 2008 men's final, mm. Nadal Federer. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I me- uh, well, I don't remember watching it, but um, lots of YouTube videos, <laughs> lots of YouTube highlights on that one. Um, yeah, it was an amazing final. I remember the shot where I think it's eight all in the fifth, maybe, and, and Rafa hits a smash and Federer just sort of puts out his arm. And obviously the, the ball goes up and comes down and, and Rafa wins the point. But I think that pretty much summed up the level of that match. It was insane. Uh, I know exactly what point you're talking about. Yeah, you must have uh, you must have watched it quite a few times for you to be able to recollect it like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are the matches that you first think of, Alfie? For, for me, um, it's obviously not a centre court match. So I'm, I know I'm kind of going off off track here, but the absolute marathon match that Mahu and Isna had. Do you remember that? Like... 68 70 or wherever it was in in the fifth set yeah just kept going on and on and on and on <laughs> and now they've changed the whole rules for the for the whole tournament basically just because of isna because yeah. <laughs> of one person and they, they've got their little plaque by court 18 as well so you see every every year pe- people taking pictures next to it and stuff but i'm trying to think you know more more historic matches i, I feel like there's so many yeah, there's so many the, the final where Federer had match points against Djokovic, I remember being in France when I was a bit younger watching that one. And I think with the matches on centre court, especially the big ones, I think it's so monumental because it's on every TV around the world, especially when it's been those top players that we've been fortunate enough to watch the last sort of six, seven, ten years, whatever it is. I think those matches really stick in the memory as well because everyone knows about them. And I remember the celebrations as well. More than anything, you know, Bartoli in 2013, yeah. the way she fell to the floor and and people climbing up to the box. And I feel like everyone's got their own little thing that they, they tend to do when they win, especially if they've won it more than once. You know, Djokovic eating, eating the grass. Do you feel like you'd go up to the player box? Yes, I was... <laughs> weirdly enough, I was, I was actually... I was hitting with... Uh, Andy the other day um, and I remember that he walked up to his box and he sort of gave everyone a hug I remember that he forgot to hug his mum am I right in saying that when he won Wimbledon and I was yeah yeah because I was thinking you know I was dreaming like if that was to happen to me I'd have to remember that you know but yeah I think I think everyone's first thing is to go to the box right I don't I don't know I mean obviously it's never going to happen for me now but (laughs) I always thought that I wouldn't do it because I'd be too emotional to even think about hugging my my parents or anything like that I'd just be like sat down trying not to cry I think the other thing in in my mind is I remember when Andy won uh, Olympics 2012 when he beat Federer on the centre court that 
I think he hit an ace down the tee on the juice and the sound, you know, when it's so silent in there, the sound of the ball, the echo and the sort of noise it makes off the strings, I think being in that stadium definitely amplifies that a little bit compared to the other courts. I never knew you were such a keno, like a yeah, proper I'm tennis a, I'm nerd. tennis nuts, yeah, I'm tennis nuts. I feel like you're an addict to it. You know, you just you just love the sport, don't you? You just have this this passion for it. And I'm the same. Like I'll be sitting there for hours watching back matches from, you know, a few years ago. And before you know it, you're, you're scrolling through Instagram, you're scrolling through TikTok or YouTube, whatever, and you've watched like two hours of some match like three or four years ago. I just, yeah, I, I can completely, uh, I completely get where you're coming from. My coach said this the other day. He's, we sort of had this argument where he's like, stop watching tennis, stop telling me about tennis results and stuff. But then it's just in the DNA. I've sort of accepted it now. <laughs> How far back are you going on YouTube? I think these are these are just more memories. These are more memories, and 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 just mem- memorizing that moment um, of what I've seen because that's what drives me on a day to day basis. Remember those moments when I was young. My name's Jack Draper, ATP Pro. I made my centre court debut in 2021 against Novak Djokovic. I mean, what? Yeah, what an incredible uh, debut at, at Wimbledon, right? playing your, your first match uh, on centre court against the defending champion. Uh, what I would like to know is how the hell you slept that night, <laughs> the night before. Well, actually, I think the the draw comes out maybe three days before. You've got the build-up. Um, so, yeah, I remember being in Orangi Park. It was the first day I actually got there. Uh, and I was training and I was sort of on my phone. I think I was watching a bit of Netflix or something. And everyone was looking at the um, the TV behind me. I didn't know what it was for at the time. But then I sort of turned around and saw like Novak Djokovic and then my name appear. And I was thinking at that, I was a bit confused at that time. Um, but obviously I sort of recognised I was playing, playing Novak. And then I sort of had three days to sort of wait and think about it. But... I think I wasn't. I saw it as an opportunity to go out there and and play and and compete against probably one of the greatest players of all time. Were you thinking about it more and more? I think every day. My sleep wasn't good. <laughs> yeah, my my <laughs> my sleep wasn't good. But I sort of I came to the fact that you know if I want to be good, if I want to be a top player one day, these are all the kind of emotions and pressures and and things that I'm going to have to deal with. And so it's a good opportunity while I'm young to get exposed to that. Alfie, we know you've obviously played at Wimbledon many times, but have you been on the centre court watching any tennis? Uh, shockingly enough, I've only ever experienced one day of, of watching matches on centre court. Uh, and that was being invited, um, very fortunately, to uh, the middle Saturday where they um, invite all different celebrities and other athletes and I was invited to, to be in the Royal Box that day, which was a, was an insane experience, really. I remember going with my granddad and we, and we turned up and uh, the first thing uh, was lunch, obviously, just before uh, just before play started at, at one, I think it was. We were running a little bit late and so everyone was really sat down and as they opened the door, they were like, oh, we'll obviously take you to your table. Uh, and I kid you not, on our table was Billie Jean King, Rod Laver, Judy Murray and I was like 19 at the time and you know understood the absolute immense characters and figures that were sitting at this table and I was completely starstruck um, from the get-go really so that was like my first center court experience and then obviously after lunch we we came out and watched I think it was Nadal and Diminor playing and I hadn't seen I don't think I'd seen Nadal play 
live before. So, so that was obviously a pretty cool experience. And the one thing that, that really got me was the silence. Uh, you've obviously experienced it yourselves, but the sort of euphoria of winning a point or losing a point and people see reacting to it. But then as soon as that server is about to, to start the next point, just the complete silence that like you can literally hear a pin drop. Um, I find that really quite, quite eerie and strange. Even just playing on court three, it's like all the eyes are on you and they're watching you and you feel that pressure. Yeah, I feel like not only the silence is such a key part of it, but the groan from the whole crowd if you miss an easy ball as well. That's what I can remember, like missing an overhead and just everyone sort of making the same noise around around the whole stadium. You probably didn't have that as much. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think when I played, it was it was a different kind of atmosphere as well because it was the first match after the pandemic as well so and Novak obviously starts because he's defending champion so I think there was a real like sort of excitement around Wimbledon that it was kicking off again and I think it was rain as well so the roof was closed so it was very silent but then it would get very loud as well so um, good atmosphere. Well in future episodes we're going to be digging deeper into our own individual relationships with Centre Court and the matches we have or haven't played on there. Fantastic tennis from a teenage sensation, Laura Robson. So, end of the first podcast, I want to sort of rate everyone's performance, give everyone like winners, unforced errors. You can rate me. My, this is my first hosting. I uh, know there's obviously a little room for improvement. Yeah, you can be like, honest. I think now that you're, you've stopped with the tennis, you know, things are going to improve <laughs> drastically. Constructive um, criticism. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but very good. Very good. Well, Alfie's got a bit of a lag as well. So I feel like that's, that's tough. You're, you're dealing with a lot on your side yeah, and uh, we'll give you a 10 out of 10. I've definitely just taken a six love battering in the first set, haven't I? <laughs> It probably is just the uh, NTC Wi-Fi, though. Thank God for editing. Gordon Reed and Alfie Hewitt are 14th Grand Slam title together. Thanks for listening to episode one. Make sure you subscribe to get a new episode every Wednesday in the lead-up to Wimbledon. Jack Draper really is a player on the rise. This is a 94-19 production in association with Vodafone. Nobody is going to want to play Robson on this form. Feel the connection this summer with Vodafone, official partner of Wimbledon.